Hello, and welcome back for another week of Kent and the Steering Team. As always, you are joined by myself, Drew, my good mate, Phil, and as always, unfortunately, Kent can't make it this week. Uh, sadly, he's um, a little preoccupied. He's preparing high tea for the Queen. Anyway, on with the show. Uh, Mr. Philip, how are you? Mr. Philip is quite well, thank you very much, Mr. Drusif. How are you? Mr. Drusif is chugging along just fine. Fan. Fabulous. Of course, this is episode 70, Mr. Drew. 70. Exactly. Feeling old. One away from my favorite number, 71. Don't ask me why. It's a favorite number of, uh, for the only reason that it looks really good. Um, but that means that last week was episode 69, Mr. Drew. I, I know, and we forgot to discuss the fact that we'd reached the magic number. Why do we always forget important moments like that until the following, or until, uh, until we are... Uh, just after we've recorded and you're sending me sending me the file, then we go, oh, we should have spoken about X, Y, or Z. Worse still is that when we remember afterwards, we then forget to write it down and go, okay, next week, next week. We'll, we'll. It's a miracle we remembered this time. Well, because normally it comes, up, it comes back to our minds as soon as we've finished hitting record and you're sending me the file the following week. And then we go, yeah. oh, we were meant to have ta- spoken about... Yeah, we've done that several times about several things. We have. Maybe it's our age. We're we're getting too old. We're at 70 now, and, you know, things are starting to change. But I feel like we've been like this from the beginning. Yeah, since episode one, I think we've been a bit like that. Um, On this episode, besides the fact that we need to reminisce about 69, 69, uh, we will be looking into some stuff. There was the CES... Um, technology show in Las Vegas. Uh, Drew, you've Indeed. got some an update on that, an interesting update from that. Yes. Um, we have a sign falling in Melbourne, which I think is interesting. Um, and then, I guess, dash cams in general. Uh, and then we'll have a little bit of a look at um, some other stuff, along with our weekly award, which is the Sick Kent of the Week Number two for the year of 2019, or 2019, or 2019, or 2019, 2019, 2019, 2019. There we are. That's the Mm. year. Anyway, on with the show. Um, Do you think maybe if it had been repeated that many times, the people operating the sign for the bridge might have got it right? Uh, Maybe. I Maybe. would like to think so because I don't know how anyone could have made that stuff up as we discussed last week. Um, yeah. I think that is just still one of the most shocking things. What's also shocking is that, I don't know if I mentioned it last week, the fact that the waterfall, that the golden waterfall which they normally have, that sounds like an inappropriate thing, like a golden <laughs> shower. Um, the gold curtain they normally have which which sprinkles yes. down from the bridge, just the, yes. the waterfall of fireworks. Um the fact that that went completely wrong and I'd watched... What? Well, that didn't work. Oh. So where we were, we noticed that... Uh, where, where we were sitting under the bridge, we, you could see the line that normally lights up. And I've noticed yep. it every year because I see it every year when I'm there. Yep. Um, however, this year it went off... It had been raining appallingly beforehand. Um the sprinkling or the the waterfall started happening in two places two little places maybe about half a meter wide each but that's it they didn't ignite the whole thing and it didn't work that's a shame and it was on tv and everything but no one paid attention to it the fact that there were just these two little streams um and nothing else happening but yeah i'd gone back and watched just the other day i watched um a couple of years worth of fireworks um 2000 18, 2017, 2016, and yeah, that has the the waterfall. That's just what happens. But this yeah, year's one, there. yeah, this year's one, it didn't really work. And yet, all mm. the news reports and stuff from around the world were, were Sydney's welcomed in the new year without a hitch. You mean what do you mean? They said 2018, and that didn't work. Without, without a, a hitch. Without a hitch. Uh, what what was the symbol on the bridge this year? No idea. I don't think there really was one. What was interesting was that they were using. Fireworks in the shape of numbers to count down till midnight. Oh, that oh was well really done. Cool. Mm, very cool. Mm. Um, Drew, should we start with the CES technology show in the place that is Las Vegas? 
I believe we should, yes. Okie dokie. Well, the world's, as I said, the world's largest tech convention um, has happened in Las Vegas, and that is the Consumer Consumer Electronics Show. Um, Some of the cool gadgets that have come out so far, I mean, um, apparently for the most part, uh, besides these cool things that I'm going to read out, there were some, oh sorry, uh, um, automotive companies kind of stole the show. Which is interesting because it's all about technology for cars, seeing as cars technology is becoming more and more advanced. Did you know, I learned this the other day, there's a Mercedes-Benz S-Class, I believe it is. No, it's an A-Class. Well, Mercedes-Benz cars in general. Um, They have the ability that if you indicate, and you're along like a highway or something like that, indicate, it will search the, the, the space next to you and just behind you, and then it will merge lanes for you or change lanes for you. I've heard rumblings that this was a thing somewhere. Of course. I had no uh, idea that Mercedes yeah. were doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, lots of car companies have the um, in-lane or stay-in-lane feature where if you let yeah. go of the steering wheel, it will just kind of slowly, like, gently nudge you around corners and stuff and keep you in your lane if you're on, like, a freeway. Um, all of all about the, the new cruise control systems. However, if you leave your hands off the wheel for long enough, it either brings you to comp- uh, brings you to a complete halt. Some cars, though, have a feature where it just disarms that if you've not been holding the wheel for long enough, and you can just veer off and crash and die if you're asleep. Um, what's interesting, though, is the fact that they're almost. They're, I guess they're pushing self-driving cars to the absolute limit here before they can they can no longer just say, "Yeah, this car is self-driving." Mm. You know what I mean? Like they're 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 trying to let the car do as much as possible. It's almost like that Tesla that time that there was that car accident and it sensed that a car accident was going to happen. It started braking heavily before the accident even happened. Um, but you know, we'll see what we'll see what happens. I love that that existed. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. But again, we'll, we'll see if cars ever get. I, I guess the issue is it's always that issue of, and we're getting a little bit off topic here, but that that issue of. If a pedestrian's on the road and you're driving the car and then the car realizes that it has to make a decision who dies if someone has to die the pedestrian or the driver of the car who who does the car sacrifice and I guess because they can't answer that question or can't make the technology answer that question they can't legally allow the system yet yeah and I was I'd also heard recently that there's something about Something about... You know how Melbourne has hook turns? Yeah. And that's where, for those that don't know, in Melbourne, if you're looking to turn... Obviously, we drive on the left-hand side of the road here. If you're looking to turn right at an intersection, in every other state in Australia, you park in the right-hand lane and roll out to the intersection and wait for it to be clear or the green arrow, and then you go. Whereas in Melbourne... They have a lot of intersections where if you're turning right at an intersection, you turn into the or you go into the left lane, and then when the light allows or there's a green light, you roll out um, into the intersection and park yourself just off essentially where the pedestrian crossing would be for the direction in which you're if you're heading straight along. So you park off to the left as if you're parked on the footpath almost and wait for your own hook turn light before you can go. And it's to allow the fast lane, which is the right-hand lane, to, to keep going. So it's an interesting concept, but also it's quite bizarre as well. Um, and it's, it's funny really how it's only... weird. Milk. Yeah, it is really weird. I think it's all... I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that they have trams everywhere. I don't know. I'm making that up, but I don't know. But anyway, it's interesting that... that um, because that's a feature of Melbourne, Australia probably won't get... Uh, won't ever get... Um, self-driving cars because of hook turns they can't factor that into programs that to allow some intersections to be a hook turn one and some to not be that's just something I'd heard recently which I think is interesting anyway really really simple they just don't allow them in Victoria (laughs) just just block them in Victoria but what if you're driving there what if you're driving to Victoria? Suddenly, at the board, you have to jump back in the seat. And you're not allowed to use that function in the state. Yeah, that's fair. But anyway, I don't know. I think they're looking at making it mass um, availability. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, mm. Anyway, the first one is the same thing that I think I've seen every six months from LG, and that's a TV that rolls up from a cabinet. That's right, a TV that rolls up. 
Um, I think that would be fascinating to see in real life, and let's see if they actually finally do it. Isn't it interesting how things like um, projected keyboards and stuff are no longer featuring at these sorts of conventions? Remember when they were all the rage? Yeah. But now they're kind of disappearing. Um, another one is a lamp that suits your mood and responds to um, Alexa, who is Amazon's kind of um, Siri. Google Home. Yeah, uh, their Siri. Um, it works as a speaker as well, and it projects colors and is, as well as music to relax your mind. That's a little bit like one of the things that you um, found out, Drew. Indeed. A song. Um, there's a car with virtual reality entertainment in the backseat, and obviously not for the driver, just for the backseat. Um, an oven that shows you how to cook. What kind of, what kind of backseat entertainment are we talking about here? Uh, Audi unveiled a prototype technology that can play movies and virtual reality games in the backseat of the car. The VR game Marvel, Marvel's Avengers Rocket's Rescue Run effectively puts you in outer space. Okay, that gives me no information, but okay. Yeah, just The picture that I've got here is a guy sitting in the backseat of his car, and that's all he's doing, just with a mask on. Um, there's an oven that shows you how to cook. I know that there's already ovens, in fact, where I work or where we work, there's um, an oven that uh, allows you to, you know, you can put the food in, in a cold oven and just hit go and it'll preheat it really fast for you and then cook it at normal temperature and also adjust in terms of time. We sell that? Yeah, we, it also, it, what it does as well is adjust for the time it takes to preheat the oven as well. So it goes, oh, well, you're at this temperature for X amount of time. So at full temperature, you don't have to be on that for so long because of X. Yeah. It also has a wild wow. boar. It also has a wild boar function. You can cook wow. you can cook wild boar and it knows how to cook pizzas and cakes properly and again it just tells you it just does it. You don't you just go look on the menu and say I'm cooking a pizza, put it in and it will just work it all out for you. It'll go, "Okay, I should rest it in a moment or I should do this." Or if you put cooking a roast or something like that, it goes, "Oh, I'm going to rest it for a moment and then put the temperature back up." It just it just works it out for you. But can it successfully reheat KFC? I have no idea, probably. I wonder if there's a setting for that. I'll look, have a look, see. Um, there's a toothbrush that cleans your teeth in 10 seconds. I need that, because I can't be bothered brushing up bloody teeth. Yeah, I need that too. <laughs> there's a laptop that finally fixes the webcam problem, but there is absolutely no information at all on that. What about the one thing that I would desperately love to see? Glasses-free 3D TVs. Where are they at? I Yeah, I would like to see that too. LG already proved that it can be done. They did it a few years ago. Mm. Where is it? Well, I think the issue is that 3D is a fad for TVs has gone away. <clears throat> and if it wasn't for Disney, I don't think 3D movies would really exist anymore either. I mean, besides the upcoming... Avatar movies which are no doubt going to be in 3D of course they're going to have to be and let's see if they start selling all the 3D technology again in all the stores mm. purely because he's got four more movies coming out in the format well it's funny how Playstation is almost the reason why Blu-ray exists Playstation well, Playstation needed Blu-ray for the disc capacity yeah. and then people were like oh well let's just keep releasing discs or, or movies on that and it's funny how the playstation was probably the number one blu-ray player for like it was. four years yeah yeah, yeah. um what well, was cheaper than any other branded blu-ray player for a very long time which is fantastic and bizarre especially considering the you know what the playstation did mm. there's also a tv at this uh, at ces that uh, takes up an entire wall this may sound bulky and cumbersome, but Samsung have outdone themselves. Um, with the latest t television model dubbed The Wall, the massive 219-inch model... Oh my god, takes up an entire what? wall. Uh, takes up an entire wall space, but folds seamlessly into the wall with the help of an intricate bracket system. I want that. But everyone has a different size wall. That is very accurate, Mr. Drew. Everyone does have a very different sized wall, but that doesn't matter. You just build your house around the TV now. Well, I mean, I'm sure people have been doing that for a long time. Absolutely. I wonder if those people in the Opal Tower um, <laughs> in Sydney would like their I, walls built by this TV. Probably more I strong have, than the concrete. I, I, have, I have updates on the Opal Tower. <laughs> oh, do tell. Do tell. Uh, for those not familiar, the Opal Tower is a skyscraper built at Sydney's Olympic Park. Um from the year 2000 firework, uh, fireworks Olympic Games hence the name 
Um, and uh, just the what was it? It was New Year's, uh, Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Residents got evacuated. were evacuated because the building started to crack in some apartments, and they realised there were significant structural faults with the building. And people have since been put in uh, temporary accommodation, and they're trying to patch it up. But they're also just trashing everyone's rooms. But continue, Drew. Indeed, the place is still deserted. I drove past yesterday and had a bit of a look around. Mm. Um, there's no one really guarding the building. <laughs> it's just sitting there. It just sits there. And residents have been told not to go in, but people are dashing in anyway to claim all their things back. I can't believe that the building was built with the the like. Ha- what a botch job! Those that that construction site was there for like three years, and it was just such a botch job. But it's now put into question the jobs done on other sites by the same company. Absolutely, it has. They've because they had a number of things that they were working on right now, and all of them are having to get reassessed. It's just outrageous. It shows you you, you cut corners somewhere, and then you just end up with these issues. Did you look at all the photos from inside? I've seen some of them where they've had all the, the wall strippings ripped off and mm. all the and walls... And you can see all the cracking. Up. Yeah, it's outrageous. It's pretty horrifying. The, yeah, I, I wouldn't trust living in that. Ooh. All those... There better be a class action against this company because all those residents are now going have to, to be. permanently... One, they're, being, they're out of home over Christmas, mind you. Um, their belongings have been trashed by those repairmen in there fixing it. They're also got horrible resale value now. Imagine that. Imagine try- it's like Volkswagens after the um, massive diesel gate. Like imagine yes. trying to sell this property now on the back of this. Oh, why? So uh, what? What are you looking? What are you selling for? Oh, look, the building was just falling apart. But that's about it. Every time I drive down Homebush Bay Drive now, so it used to be lit up like a Christmas tree mm. every single night. And now it's just pitch black with the emergency lights running down the the emergency staircase. So you can see the emergency staircase lit up in just this solid line of emergency light down one section of the building. It's crazy. And everything Absolutely else crazy. is just pitch black. It's just outrageous. Like, I can't believe that it's happened. Uh, it's entertaining, though. <laughs> Poor residents, residencies. I feel sorry for you. I feel bad that they just... Some of them weren't even able to go home that day. They were stopped when they got back to the building. And yeah. would just wait, no, can't go up, can't go to your things. You just, you don't even have a second to think. So it's, no, you're out, we haven't got a place for you yet, but we're working on it. Jeez. Jesus. That's just outrageous. Mm-hmm. How did we get on the topic of the Opal Tower? I can't remember. I don't remember either. Oh, I know, because of the TV wall. Oh, yes. The TV wall. Um, you drew, going back to the CES. Yes. Um, among all these fine, fine products, there, there was one other product that even received an award. It did. It re- received an award, everyone. And then it was disqualified. Uh-oh. Because it's a sex toy. Bing! From BuzzFeed News, CES gave a sex toy an award and then disqualified it because it's a sex toy. A robotic sex toy was selected as an honoree for the Consumer Electronics Show's Innovation Awards until CES said it was obscene. Why'd they give it the award in the first place then? I, I don't know. Like, what, what, <laughs> what did it win an award for? If, if it doesn't it was, qualify, it was, what's the... It was what, an, it was an innovation award. Uh, do you have any more information about the product or um, the the uh, what is it? The criteria for success. Um, it doesn't discuss the. It it doesn't discuss the fact like what the category was. It just uh, a representative from CTA told BuzzFeed that it did not qualify because it did not fit into any of their existing 2019 categories. Uh, When they were asked to clarify if this was because it didn't meet the standards of being a robot or a drone, they replied, 
It's an adult product, so not eligible. Well, why did they give it? Why did they? What were they giving it an award for in the first place? Uh, innovation. It, but it what specifically? You can't just imagine. Imagine me rocking up to something and saying, like presenting, like I don't know, a. Um, oh, it was. Here we go. It was. It was an honoree in its robotics and drones innovation awards program, but it was disqualified two weeks later and banned from exhibition at the event because it's an adult product. I just can't see the, the oversight. I think that's just very lazy on the part of the CES. Yeah. The fact the, that they the, allowed them in and then said, oh, oh I, now I know what, you, what it is. Well, what did you think it was? You just think it was a piece of technology? Like, just ridiculous. Yeah. I, the world's way too PC. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. The Oze device. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but whatever. Formerly called Vila, is a sex toy developed in partnership with an engineering professor at Oregon State University that uses biometric mimicry for hands-free vaginal and clitoral <laughs> stimulation. Initially, Laura Haddock, founder of Laura DiCarlo, the company that makes the Oze, was thrilled about the visibility that the award would give her product in a crowded event. What it really did for us was attract investors, she told BuzzFeed News. It's definitely a feather in our cap and validates the technology that we've created. Well, she's thrilled with it, as will many others when they buy it. Ayo. Um, yeah, I just, I still just don't understand how the hell they could... Again, imagine me rocking up with, like, a cat to a dog show and them going, oh, you're going to get an award there. That's a real interesting-looking dog. You're going to get an award. Oh, and then, like, giving me the award and then, like, a week later going, oh, hang on. I just looked at one of the pictures. Is that a cat? A cat? Oh, we're going to have to count. You're disqualified. Like, no, that's just lazy on your behalf, you stupid idiots. What a bunch of stupid idiots. That's my thoughts, anyway. Um, oh did, did you see I don't know if you saw this uh, it's uh, Melbourne's Kuyong Classic tennis tournaments on at the moment and I was I was watching this uh, th- these on the news I was walking past and I saw that it had been match point between Bernard Tomic and Nick Kyrgios they'd been versing each other for the first time yeah. and Bernard Tomic had match point and you know how when the tennis players they always ask for like four balls or something like that instead of just like I don't know, one yeah. they always like ask the ball boy to give him like three balls so the ball boy threw like th- two tennis balls to Bernard Tomic and then he was like flicking him in his hands and seeing which one he wanted to use and he did a trick shot where when he was walking up to the baseline to take to you know get ready for his serve he dropped the ball the other ball and before it hit the ground he hit it with the racket and so he did a nutty shot where it went between his legs it went over the net, bounced into Nick Kyrgios's, uh four court, and then bounced out. Which meant, technically, because you know how when tennis players serve, they always throw it up and smash it down. Yep. You can technically do underarm as well as a serve, official serve. You just have to make sure the, sure the ball doesn't land on your side, goes over over the net and into the opposite um, four court corner of the, the opposition's play uh, opposition's court. So technically, Bernard Tomic had served, and because Nick Kyrgios didn't hit it, it was an ace, and so Bernard Tomic won the match. <laughs> what? Yeah, it counted. They were just they were there. They were just like Bernard Tomic just walked over, hit the shot, walked over to the baseline, started dribbling the tennis ball he was gonna use, and then the cherry just goes, game, <laughs> game, Tomic, <laughs> and they just they look up. They're like, what? <laughs> They, neither of them had any idea what the hell just happened. Unless Bernard Tomic had it planned, but it didn't look like it. He, he looked just as stunned as everyone else. Wow. Yeah, like, I, I've never seen that in my life. And I, I do know that tennis players can technically underarm serve if they want to. Because, again, it's all about just volleying the ball over to the other side of the net rather than it bouncing on your side. That's all the criteria for serving. And don't be standing within the court. You have to be standing beyond the baseline. That's that's the only criteria. Yep. 
And what I find interesting is that every player chooses to do the massive upswing because I find that really difficult. Whenever I go, whenever I'm playing tennis, I find it really hard to. I can do it, but like you just, I find my. I don't have the skill or the accuracy to continuously hit really powerful shots. I can do it, not not very high speed, but I can't hit powerful shots as a normal tennis serve. But yep. underarm's yep. easy, and you can do really trick shots with that. You can do it really short. You can do it really deep. You can do it really like flat. Yeah. So, but anyway, they all try to choose to do that, and this—it's just—it was so strange seeing Ben Atomic do that, and it counted. That's hilarious. Yeah, fantastic, excellent. Good on him. Good on him. Um, it, it reminds me of some of those other kind of funny tennis moments where, like, for example, the ball boy, um, you know, one of the tennis players, the ball went out, the, the ball boy just hits the ball out. I think it was Federer hit the ball, and the ball boy just, like, reacted so quickly and grabbed the ball and just got it. And it was, mm. like, a phenomenal hit. There was another incident at the Australian Open once where I think the court had been having too much direct sunlight on it, so it started to bubble and so one of the players hit the ball and it happened to catch this bubbled point and instead oh, wow. of it bouncing up it just hit the ground and rolled completely flat along the ground and it was the most strange thing um, I've seen yeah it's cool wow we need to go see the tennis I think we do we do we used to get tickets every year and for whatever reason we were never able to go <laughs> oh I want tickets Oh, we, yeah, <laughs> just, we, we knew someone, and we, we just, we were always given tickets, and... Okay. Yeah, yeah we, we actually need to just go play, but it's too hot at the moment. This oh, heat wave is Absolutely. just absolute misery. I, I went, um, I went downstairs this morning to go to the gym, and I, as soon as I set foot outside, I was like, no, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not playing tennis. I just swiftly made my way past the court and into the gym where there are two air conditioners thank goodness <laughs> well see for me it's it's the humidity again I don't have an issue so much with heat it's the humidity I think everyone says that but it's it was, it's true I, I it can't was muggy it though the yeah. humidity had hit and this was at what 10 20 past 10 this morning it was just it was already muggy and sticky not enjoyable at all again dry heat i have no problem it's the humidity and so i'm very lucky to have the aircon now you can probably hear a buzz in the background it's the aircon going um oh and again it's not particularly cold it's just again i just want the air to be dry wait you have aircon in your room yes i have aircon in my room what yeah it's on right now yeah, I can hear the hum now. Yeah. Since when is that a thing? I don't know, 1998? Then why is it never on? It's always boiling there. Because it's only boiling because we're all in there with the windows and doors shut. And no aircon. Oh. Yeah, because it's ducted. Because it's ducted, it means I'd have to turn oh. the aircon on for every single room in the house. And when oh. it's only one room yeah. that's hot and the other ones are like 23 degrees. That's why we're always dying. Okay, fair yeah. call. Oh, yeah. Well... I am putting up with it right now because mine is the only room in the house that doesn't have aircon, and I have a fan that sounds like a jet engine taking off. <laughs> I gotta go buy you a Dyson kind of one of those like ring <laughs> fans. I still don't know how they work. Those those weird pieces of technology. I love those ring fans. How do they work? What are they doing? So there's a little slit around the ring, and that's where the air comes out. Yeah, but where does it go in? I don't know. Because they're so thin. How does it process air? I don't know. And at such high speed, too. Like, where's the fan processing this air? I can't fathom anything to do with Dyson. They're amazing. I don't know how they do it. I'll never forget uh, infomercials from when I was younger, just seeing um, them during school holidays where they talk about the cyclonic vacuum cleaner. And hey, you can vacuum up anything. Okay, I just want to mm. say, speaking of that, speaking of, of seeing infomercials yes. when I was a child, yes. I can remember... No, I, what, this isn't about that sort of stuff, but I, I can remember when I used to be on summer holidays at, at primary school, how long they used to feel. They felt like they went on for months and months and months. And it was excellent. I used to love that feeling. It was because you'd spend every day at home. 
yeah I loved it and I want to do that that's my dream in life um I mean going mm. traveling of course but like having a I've never had a staycation oh I haven't had a staycation in yeah seven years at least I think the longest stint I've had is ten days since since finishing school I've had like a ten day stint of staycation yeah I think the longest stint for me would be four days maybe three days Oof. and it's it's painful like I really really want a staycation because I, you know I I love holidays and I love being out and about and traveling but on my weekends off for example or my days off I just want to just relax and do nothing for a day and then I want to do that the next day as well and I want to do that the day after that I want to run out of the desire for that I want to drain that battery and I don't ever get to do that. And I just I just want that chance to do nothing. Let's put it in the five year plan. Yes, staycation. staycation. I want to I want a two month long staycation because I wanted to feel like school holidays again. Again, I remember I remember that awkward kind of time between Christmas uh, between New Year's and going back to school, which was the entire month of January. Yes. You'd get you'd get like two weeks into January and my parents would be back at work and so I'd be at home with my sisters or something and you know um, I still remember where the TV used to be in the, the, the house before it was renovated and we'd go I'd, I'd go and sit in there just turn on the TV and it's like it would be the most strange feeling because it would just feel so normal that I was doing that but at the same time it would just feel so strange that this is what I'm doing like I'm not at school I'm not like I'm just this is it like I'm just at home today Really strange, but I love it, and I miss it so much. All I need to do is win the $80 million tonight, um, being Thursday night. Come on, tonight's the night. Mm. And tonight's the night that I won't win it again, and I need to sue someone for robbing me of my $80 million. Tonight's the night. That's a quote from Dexter as well. Um, Got fingers yeah. and toes crossed already. Yeah, I'm, I really need to win it. Uh, another interesting topic, Drew. Yes. Another one. Uh, Man. I, I, yeah. Oh, you've got one. Yes. Oh, no, go, no. Go, you, go. Okay, no. Go, go. You go. Go for it. You go for it. We got. We'll fire off both of them. We have time. Yeah. We we got time. We got well, time. I actually, ju- I actually just found a fascinating article from Unilad. Um, NASA interns discover Super Earth with hope it could contain life. Um. So, uh, two NASA interns. Mm. along with a team of amateur astronomers, have discovered a new super-Earth. This new super-Earth, also known as K2-288BB, is said said to be roughly twice the size of Earth and located within its star's habitable zone, raising hopes it could contain life. Using data from NASA's Kepler Space Telescope, the planet is thought to be 226 light-years away in the constellation Taurus, According to NASA, it could be rocky or could be a gas-rich planet similar to Neptune. Its size is considered rare among planets beyond our solar system. What it's I exciting. Find, it is very exciting. What I find interesting about this sort of stuff is... Um, one, I find it a bit sad in some ways that... So, when they view this, all they're looking at is they're pointing at a star... And I'll keep putting it to star until a bit of light gets distorted. And that light they then read is, oh, it's a planet. Because it's a planet passing the star. That's why the star's gone a bit dark. Yep. And I find that really sad in a way. Because you see all these like um, artist impression drawings and stuff of these planets. And you go, wow, look at that. Imagine if that's what the planet looked like. To be honest, we have absolutely no idea what the hell the bloody thing looks like. It could be flat pancake for all we know we don't know what it looks like because mm. the the nasa talk and the nasa excitement which is so infectious with the excitement of what they find and what they're looking at it's not real it, it's real in that they're it's out there and they're really looking at it and it's phenomenal to think about it when you look up at night uh, the stars in the night sky that one of them may have a planet around it that has life that's looking in our direction at our sun and going there may be a planet around it that has life you know it's really strange, but at the same time, it's really sad that the reality of the situation is that that planet, we don't, we don't know anything about it. We don't know anything. They know 
that somehow it's about twice the size of it. I don't know how they know that. How do they know what Earth looks like from that distance? How do they know what light, you know, um, light disruption the Earth has in relation to our sun? Especially when there are so many other planets. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Um, it's... But I find that with a lot of space It's fascinating, though. Yes, yeah. I, I, I get really excited by it, but I also get really disappointed by it. I get really excited by um, the idea that people color in, um, you know, constellations yeah. and nebulas and, like, or nebulas, and they... Um, artist impressions of things and stuff like that when in reality so much of it is either radio waves that just they construct an image out of or yeah like finding other planets it, they're just looking at a star and hope that there's light disruption it's, and they find it they get light disruption they go oh there's a planet yeah. there it must be x size but it's like it's so far away it doesn't matter what's out and there so much of it is theoretical exactly that's that's what's annoying to me um it's again fascinating though but it's so far away it's almost worth not bothering because we'll never get there well it makes you wonder whether or not we are alone in the universe your thoughts on that from I, from from a life form perspective i do not believe we are alone in the universe which um i feel like it it's meant to that's meant to contradict my beliefs Mm-hmm. But I just, I can't for one second imagine that we are alone here. Well, the vastness of the universe would... It's just... Yeah, it, would, it, it would almost not allow that to happen. To happen. It's like, yeah. it's impossible. There's no way that it can't repeat something. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and if we are, then, then it begs a bigger question. Why? Yeah. It, I, I, I find it completely and I'd, strange that I'd, I'd be more terrified are we are we the only ones because of intelligent design are we mm. the only ones because we are the first to reach this point or worse are we the only ones because we're the last remaining yeah that's it's, a terrifying thing to dwell on to me it, it's almost the same sort of haunting feeling as um, I think I've mentioned before, standing at a beach with nothing but endless ocean beyond and the fact that the, all the light that remains is behind you when you're looking out at the ocean. I find yep. that such a, a freaky feeling. And I remember as a child, and I remember even recently, um, driving home from my cousin's house near um, a Sydney beach, and you'd look out at the darkness as you're driving home and just see nothing. I find that so lonely that that is we are at the edge of our domain our land this is it i'm at the border of it i'm at the ending point there's no more and it's yeah i find that really 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 not sad but just yeah a bit haunting so it's almost like that when you look out at space and the thought that if we're the only ones out here we're it we're standing on the the edge of what we have to to of, of what's ours, you know? I find that really, really strange. The fact that beyond our Earth, nowhere else allows us to breathe without a helmet or something like that. You'd think it would encourage people to take better care of the planet. You'd think so, but absolutely not, because everyone's just a selfish pig. Mm. Um, I would say, imagine if there's another planet out there that has exactly the same living conditions as our planet, yet it hasn't bred life. It's entirely possible. Like that's that's a, a massive possibility. The fact that yeah. In fact, again, it's almost more like it's more likely than not likely because of the vastness of the universe that there is planets out there that has life on it, planets out there that has intelligent life on it, planets out there that have um, no life but perfect conditions for life. Like there could be nothing. And yet, we're not making any any inroads into leaving this rock so no I, I, I understand the reasoning behind the space race when it happened mm. but it's like they all they all decided to take an extended breather they're like oh okay we got Did to the it. moon mm. we got to the moon we're good don't wanna don't wanna really push it any further 
But the only reason they got to the moon was because they, they were in such a race to get there that they created the technology to make it possible. And now they go, oh, well, we don't have the technology yet to take us to Mars or whatever. Well, you're not going to have that technology unless you have a fire burning beneath you that drives you to the point of creating the technology. Mm. There's well, nothing motivating them anymore. Well, it's like the moon. I, I find it really disappointing and sad when company, uh, when when organizations like NASA and stuff say there's just no interest in going to the moon. Like, bugger off. I would be thrilled to see you go to the moon. I've never seen someone leave our planet and step set foot on another surface in yeah. my lifetime. I want to see that. Like, yeah. going to the moon would be the most phenomenal thing for me to see. Like, I, I that would blow me away to see that happen. We and are- I haven't done it we're a generation where we know of the fact that there are people coming and going from the international space station but mm. we don't quite know of it we've never witnessed anyone go to the moon we've never witnessed any kind of great feat of humanity the most spectacular thing to have occurred within our generation was witnessing 9-11 as children mm. that's the biggest thing Absolutely. Isn't that a little bit sad? Yeah. That's the most of it, like, uh, significant event in our lifetimes is 9-11. That that was the moment the world kind of stopped. For a whole day, everything stopped. It's actually funny you bring that up because I'm going to skip my story because it's not on my news report because it's actually on news story because it's not who gives a shit. Um, (laughs) We saw Vice on... um, Late the at other night. day, yeah. Yeah, late at night. Um, we went for a late night session um, just because I was around at home, you ran at home, and we went, you know what? Let's yep. go out and see the movie. So we just decided to make a late night uh, rendezvous at sneaky, a cinema. Sneaky run. Mm. And uh, we saw Vice, and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. I've actually made a point of telling a lot of people to go and see it. Mm -hmm. And if I have more than two minutes with them, I've sat them down and made them watch the trailer as well. Now, do tell Drew, uh, give me a quick summary of the plot or the story. Vice um, recounts as truthfully as possible the life of former Vice President Dick Cheney and his rise through his youth into the present day as he began work in the Nixon administration and then left politics for a while only to be pulled back in to run as vice in George W. Bush's campaign and later his um, presidency presidency succeeding in taking on the Oval Office. Um, under under what seemed to be a rather sketchy agreement that made between the two of them that would wind up giving Cheney more power than any vice president in US history. Not more than Bush himself. Yeah, he wound up running more of the country than the actual president did. Which is just staggering because it's... You know, what's interesting about the film is that it shows how or why Dick Cheney wasn't suitable to be president, but why he was excellent at running the business. Mm. Um, it's interesting to see him, the measures he goes to. And again, there, there's even a, like there's a line in the movie where where one of them, I think I think Cheney says, "I need to go and organize who's going to be running the country." And you know, yeah. someone turns to him and says, "Well, that's not the vice president's job." And he just turns back to them and says, "Well, it is now." Um, he did a lot, and and look. It's also interesting because it touches on 9-11 a lot. It goes into a lot of things about 9-11. But it's from a perspective that we don't normally see. No, exactly. It's from the perspective of of the business of it. Yeah. Like, of the fact that this thing... There's no kind of... um, There's no softness to it. It is, this is what we have to do, let's do it. And this is why. And who cares? Just, Just do it. We just have to do stuff. And they do, and they do it. It's they tell it in a really interesting story because it's the same guys that made the film The Big Short, which is fantastic too. And and um, look, that that film's told in a really great. Well, both films are told in a really great way, really quirky, but also serious. Like they they almost have a laugh while telling you something like horrible. 
which is really strange. And it's from the, the point of view of like a documentary almost. Um, or like, this is happening. This is real. It felt, kind of it felt like a documentary, didn't it? Mm. Yeah. So, something about it. I just kept reminiscing on it going, man, it felt like a documentary. It's just... But it, I, I just, I love the way in the, those films, the two, the two of the films, how they're able to, like I'd said, like give you such big information and such serious information, but in such a fun, happy, friendly kind of way where you just kind of accept it and take it on board. There's no kind of thought or hesitation about what they're saying or no like shock at what they're saying. You just accept it all because they're telling mm. it to you in such a good way. It was, yeah, it was riveting. That I think that's the word for mm. it. I I noticed a, like at one point you and I had both sort of scooched forward to the edge of the seat, going, "Okay, yeah. this is happening," and it's like, man, it it just completely engrossed us. Mm. Great insights as well into how they kind of put the spin on harsh topics, you know, involving focus groups, um, oh, yeah. the, the creation of Fox News, um, the way. Yeah the yeah. creation of the phrase the war on terror mm. creation of the term climate change um, climate change yes creation of the um, acceptance of taxing the rich less and um, you know compared to having a death tax for example um, they uh, they showed a great insight into why the US went to Iraq rather than just staying in Afghanistan where the actual war should have been taking place. Um, yeah, they're just like... And ruthlessly, they tell it in such a... It feels like such a bully way or such a like an artificial or illegal way, but yep. it is legal because they can do what they want because they're the government and they're running a business. <laughs> well, he knew all their laws inside and out and knew how to work them and if he wasn't sure he had a lawyer who knew them equally well and that's what i also love the fact that the the voiceover of it yeah said during when they're in the situation room um on the day of 9 11 and the panic was all going on how the voiceover mentioned the fact that it was really strange that the vice president the man currently in charge was having such massive council sessions with his lawyer. Like, that doesn't happen where the vice president has to confer with his lawyer instead of making decisions. Normally they just make the decision and get on with it, but no, he was stopping at every point and having discussions with the lawyer. So I found it very, very, very fascinating. And again, he's an interesting man, good or bad, he did what he had to do and he ran a business and he ran a business. And he considered himself yeah. necessary evil. Yeah, and, and he, again, he, he talks about that as well and goes into that. And it's interesting because he is, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know. Like, it, 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 it's hard to say what's right and what's wrong. Watching this movie, you don't leave it going, he was a piece of shit. Like, that's awful, nothing more to say. You just, you look at it and go, eh, I think he's really bad but is he completely bad he reminded me of of one girl that every person has gone through high school with who is likable to a certain degree but always creates their own drama just so that they can feel a sense of accomplishment by solving it at the end yeah i guess i guess so i guess he is that's because in yeah. many respects he caused a lot of the things that he then went and solved other things yeah, were just true. fortuitous yeah or he happened to be in the room but there were a great many things where he went oh we will uh, we will restructure that law here and then down the track it causes a big problem and he swoops in and saves the day yeah that's true. That's true. He is very worrying um, how liberal he was with all the um, changes to the laws, even when he absolutely. was working under Nixon. Absolutely, they were very, very flippant with all the laws. But between him and Rumsfeld, <laughs> yeah, Rumsfeld, uh, and then how it all kind of imploded on them at the end there. Oh yeah, 
Because it did. I mean, there's, there's, that's not a, not a spoiler. You know what happened. Obama's president. Yeah. But of course, he served both terms. So, you know, he kind of got there. But, um, yeah, look, it... it yeah, Fascinating it, it, film. Absolutely fascinating. Like, it was so interesting. Those that don't like political films, I still think it's almost worth watching. Mm. Because it's fascinating. It really, 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 really is fascinating. And it's told in such an interesting way. Um, yeah. But that was Vice. Uh, moving on to our Sick Kent of the Week, Drew. Indeed. Mm. Of course, if you'd like to be on the show, be, be sure to comment on our Facebook page or message us individually or on the Facebook page or on our Instagram page or email us or talk to us in person. We'll happily have you on board for the most part. Of course, if you are on the show, <laughs> for the most part, um, of course, if you're on the show, you're more than likely going to win the Sick Kent of the Week award. This week, without a guest on the show, though, we do have a couple of nominees. Both of my nominees are political figures. I like, I like your nominees. Um, I say we air them both purely because they're two very interesting stories. Well, the first one's Donald Trump. Donald Trump because he um, gave his first primetime address to the nation. Um... Uh, I haven't seen it. You've said that he spoke really well when you watched it. He's it, he does speak well, and and he knows how to have that commanding presence. I I actually thought as as him addressing the nation, it was very interesting to watch. Whether whether I agree with what he says or not is a whole different ball game. But but just analyzing it as the way he spoke and he you could just from from opening to closing frame. You watched him and you knew he was president. Did he mention at all the word huge or the word, um, or the phrase, the best blank? I think he said the best. I don't remember if I heard Because he huge. always says, we have the, we have the, be- have the best words, the best words, when we're going to make billions off China. There. <laughs> Donald Trump um, and huge. He, he, as you mentioned before, he did actually talk a lot about um, protecting their borders and things, but it felt like there was a little bit of rehash of his campaign promises. Well, absolutely, that, there was that because hasn't it's been delivered yet. But well, of course, it is though because it's it's getting dire for him. He's two years in and or whatever it is, and he is at the point where no, it's a year in now, is it? We're over a year. We're, we should be coming up to two years, but he needs to. He needs to start delivering on something. Like the, he's done a cool, a couple of cool little token things, you know, like North Korea and whatever. Mm. But I'm, I'm not saying he needs to build the wall in any way. But he needs to just say, "I'm going to do this for the people and actually do it." Well, like That's, I said, like I said, I'm disgraced that. Um, not that it's my country, but disgrace that it's Donald Trump as president. I think that's just such a laughing stock to what is the US. But so is Hillary wasn't much of a better choice, but at least she was a, polit- a politician. Whereas the fact that this is this just opens up for people like The Rock or Kanye West. That's why I'm so against it. But anyway, um, he said he was going to build a wall. Build the bloody wall. You have enough money yourself. Build the bloody wall. The fact that they're trying to get Mexico to build the wall is outrageous. The fact that they're trying to... The fact that he can't get the money to build the wall because it's a stupid idea, yet people, everyone voted for it. Um, and the fact that the US government is shut down now for over 20 days and still going. It's the second longest time the US government has been shut down because they can't agree on anything, so it's just kind of been locked down. But the fact that people aren't getting paid now, public servants aren't getting paid because the government is shut down, so there's no one in office to pay for anything, is just outrageous. But again, build your bloody wall. You find that money, and don't you keep closing. You reopen, yeah, reopen pa- uh, Parliament or, or the government. Admit that you're an idiot and you can't actually build this wall because it's a stupid idea, and you're done. Good. Just admit you can't do it. That's all I want. That's he. The, to me, Donald Trump will be a successful president if the wall's built, and if he can't get the wall built because they don't give him the money to build the wall. That's his problem. That's his problem. Only his problem. And so he's failed. 
Um, yeah, that's my view on Donald Trump as president, but he is one nominee. The other one is ScoMo, Scott Morrison, our prime minister. <laughs> uh, completely less exciting than Donald Trump, but recently a photo went out on um, Scott Morrison's website. The image in question featured him with his, uh, his him and his family lying on some or sitting on some grass, and him kind of crossing his legs with one leg underneath his beneath his um, his ass and the other one kind of up in like a triangle um, on the ground, and the shoes on it had been photoshopped. Not only had they been photoshopped, they you know had been photoshopped into completely perfect pearl white um, sneakers. <laughs> but they would accidentally photoshopped it with the photo of having two left feet. So, yes. Doesn't that it. just sum him up, though? It two does. Just this kind of slightly... <laughs> two left feet. <laughs> kind of full plodding around doing stupid things. That's, that's exactly what it reminds me of, or makes me think. So, He's yeah. T- I, I want ScoMo to have it. <laughs> I think so, too. I would give it to ScoMo, too. Okay, Scott... Scott Morrison, you are this week's sick end of the week for having two left feet and perfect he white needs something. He's, sneakers. He's lucky anyone knows he's even Prime Minister. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's so weird. It's just weird that he's Prime Minister because he's such a non-guy. It's like, who gives a shit about this guy? He feels like he'd be a state premier or something like that. He's like a backbencher that got offered to sit up the front for a day. Yeah, you can imagine and then him just, just sitting never, in... never left the chair. I, I can just imagine him sitting in an office and like kind of for the first time and just like looking at the table and being like, oh yeah, this feels good and kind of, you know, putting his hands out behind his head and leaning back in the chair. Yep. And then Not freaks sure out and falls out of the chair when someone comes in. <laughs> and it, oh. But of course it's just the cleaner. Or, or like him like reaching over the phone and like pressing the um, uh, the, the secretary button and yep. then being like yes Mr. Prime Minister can I get you anything and him being like N- no no <laughs> ca- carry on that's fine <laughs> like just not really knowing what to do <laughs> just a total fool oh ScoMo uh, oh, I never thought I'd, I'd say this but br- bring back crud <laughs> yeah well he was kind of Despite him apparently being a piece of shit to everyone, yeah, yeah, no, he, I think he was. I would agree. He was probably the most well spoken kind of prime minister we had. Not, not, not Kevin 07, like Kevin two Yeah, when he came back that second time, when he when he got the gumption to take his job back. Mm-hmm. Aw, yeah, I miss him. Yeah, but anyway, Scomo, anyway, sick kid of the week. Scomo, you've been honoured by us because mm. no one else will. <laughs> You should be happy. We we know your name. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, Gomo. We know your name. That's two Aussies. Oh, dear. We did you know it. what? We, yeah, we did it. We, we were a little concerned, but we rambled our way to an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty pleased. Indeed. Always. We always can do it. Yes. We, we have faith. We of course. Have some ability. Yeah, we can do <laughs> to it. To ramble. Hmm. But no, it's been a wonderful, it's been a wonderful episode, as always. Um, thank you, Mr. Phil. Thank you, Mr. Drew. And thank you, DJ Quads, who we can hear ringing his way in. There with he is. His wonderful tunes. Right of joy. Indeed. Anyway, until next week. Yep.
get scratching. <laughs>